Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marts and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome back, everybody. Martin Lestrap's here, and I've got another episode of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. And if you are a fan of comic books, then this is the episode for you, because this episode is completely devoted to talking about comic books. Now, I, I love comic books, and uh, since I was a kid, I loved comic books. And I, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, before I started recording, and I realized I don't remember the first comic book I ever read. And uh, on the one hand, I guess that's a little disappointing. I, I'd like to have that memory of the first comic book I ever read. But on the other hand, I kind of like that I don't remember the first comic book I ever read. Because I take that to mean that, that comics have been around uh, or at the very least, I've been around comic books for so long and comic books have, have been so ingrained in my life for such a long time that, uh, that I, I don't remember the first comic book I ever read it, it, in the same way that you know, I don't have memories of my, my first birthday party or, uh, I don't know, some other first. The first day of preschool, I guess, if that counts. Eh, fuck if I know. Anyway. But even though I don't have a memory of the first comic book I ever read, uh, I do remember as a kid being tremendously drawn to Superman. I loved Superman as a kid. Uh, in particular, I loved the uh, the Superman movies starring Christopher Reeve. Uh, I also loved the uh, the George Reeves uh, uh, black and white television show, and of course they they also did the the show in color. Uh, I kind of talked about this in uh, in episode one of the podcast, Origin Story. But I loved Superman. Partly I loved, you know, I, I loved his costume. I loved the colors. I loved the, the long red cape. But, you know, uh, as most anybody else who loves Superman, I loved his superpowers. Especially as a kid, his, you know, his superpowers were extremely, extremely engaging for my imagination. And, you know, while Superman is the Man of Steel, and he has super strength, and he has super speed, and heat vision, and x-ray vision, and a, a whole cornucopia of other abilities, my favorite of Superman's abilities was his power of flight. I loved the fact that Superman could fly, and I wished desperately that I could fly like Superman. In fact, I, I can remember growing up uh, having extremely vivid dreams of of flying like Superman. Or, if it was a nightmare, I had dreams of not being able to fly like Superman. Like, in the dream, I had the ability to fly, I just didn't know how to make it work. Those dreams were torturous. So anyway, much of my childhood was colored by the aching disappointment that I'd never be able to fly. And uh, uh, to, to help make up for that, I spent countless hours, you know, when I was growing up, in, uh, in my backyard, you know, with uh, in the swimming pool, I was I was uh, very fortunate as a kid that uh, my parents put a swimming pool in the backyard, and I, I, I don't know, I spent a, a great deal of, of, of my childhood in that swimming pool, and a lot of what I did in the swimming pool was I would go underwater, I would hold my breath for as long as I could, I'd push myself off 
the edge of the swimming pool and I would soar through the water. And as I soar through the water, I would extend my fist forward and I'd straighten my legs and I'd point my toes and I would pretend to fly. And for as long as I could hold my breath, I would soar through the pool and pretend I was flying like Superman because that's as close as I could get to it. You'd think that uh, hanging out in the swimming pool as much as I did, that maybe I would pretend to be Aquaman, but uh, I guess that never occurred to me. Anyway, as I got a little bit older, uh, Superman was still fine, but I sort of, you know, my, my comic book taste evolved and Batman became my hero of choice. Somehow Superman, he seemed to have it too easy. At least this is the way that I was thinking about it as a kid. Because, you know, he had all these tremendous superpowers. Uh, but Batman was more complex and more interesting because he didn't have superpowers. And that, so I became extremely drawn to the mythology of, of Batman and this, you know, this, just this human, this human man, you know, through the power of, of his will and his ingenuity, turning himself into a superhero. I loved that. But anyway, I loved reading about Batman and Superman and, you know, countless other superheroes like Aquaman and the Flash and the Green Lantern and Hawkman and most anybody in the Justice League. And of course, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Man and the Fantastic Four and the Hulk, you know, all all the big ones, all the big iconic, you know, well-known mainstream superheroes. I I loved reading about uh, all those guys and gals when I was growing up. And for, for a long time, I, I, had, I had, you know, aspirations and dreams of becoming a comic book artist. Uh, so I spent just hours and hours and hours of my life drawing superheroes, mostly Batman, but I would practice all of them. And, you know, I, I, I have very vivid memories of, of trying to learn how to, draw, uh, how, to, how to draw feet and how to draw a superhero in his, in his boots and how to how to get the perspective of, of the boots just right so it looked you know the it looked like the the boot was facing towards you or maybe it was at a, at a three-quarter angle and how to make it look you know natural and how to draw hands and fists and fingers and and how to make them look you know proportion and how to, how to draw eyes and mouths and you know I, I I remember all this stuff and I practiced every day for hours at a time and, and I loved it and and uh, but eventually those those dreams fell by the wayside uh, along with my dreams of be- becoming a comic book artist just my my love of comic books it, it kind of faded I never stopped loving superheroes and uh, I, I always loved the idea of superheroes and I loved that there was comic books out in the world but uh, I, I stopped reading comic books I don't remember when it happened it just kind of faded away but now about 25 years later I've decided to make a concerted effort to journey back into the land of comic book lovers. And my, my guide into this world is going to be Anthony Ray Bench. And as it so happens, Anthony Ray Bench is also the guest on this week's episode. Anthony is the co-founder of Panda Fuzz Inc., which is a, a producer of comic books. He's the primary writer at Panda Fuzz Inc. Uh, and along with his, his co-founder, Scott Joseph, who's the, the illustrator, the two of them, uh, they, you know, they run and produce comic books uh, for Panda Fuzz, Inc. But aside from being a comic book maker himself, Anthony is also a, a huge fan of comic books. And he has been since he was six years old. And unlike me, Anthony's love of comic books did not fall by the wayside. In fact, Anthony's love of comic books has only gotten 
bigger and stronger and more powerful, kind of like a superhero, I guess. But aside from Anthony's work in, uh, in comics, he's also an associate producer at the Sideshow Network. The Sideshow Network, if you're not familiar, it's a network of internet audio and video broadcasts featuring some of the biggest names in comedy about a wide array of topics, such as news, entertainment, current events, and comic books. One of the shows Anthony works as, as a producer on is Comics on Comics. This is a great podcast if you've never heard it. Comics on Comics is the show where the greatest comic minds meet the greatest minds in comics. It pits comedians and comic book creators in nerd debates, essentially breaking everything down from the creative process to the business end of comic books, movies, video games, and pop culture. Uh, and it's hosted by Juan Manuel Roca and Vito Lapicola. Like I said, it's a really great show, so you should definitely check it out if you've never heard it. Especially if you love comic books, you should, you should be listening to Comics on Comics. But even if you're not a huge follower of comic books, I still think you'd enjoy the show, so definitely check it out. Anyway, Anthony and I had a fun conversation about comic books and superhero movies and nerd culture and everything in between. But before that, we, uh, we spoke briefly about the world of podcasts. Since uh, you know I'm a podcaster and Anthony works in the uh, in the field of podcasting with the Sideshow Network. So anyway, if all of that sounds good to you, then let's move on with the show. I started an internship with um, with Chris Gore. Mm-hmm. He was known for Attack of the Show. He was the movie critic on there, and they call him. Chris Gore, the movie expert, and um, started an internship working on his podcast. And I'd had uh, experience working on podcasts before um, doing Kevin Smith stuff. Oh, um, right, yeah. Kevin Smith went from having his stuff completely free mm-hmm. to having his stuff free but with ads. Right. And I was the asshole that took something great for free, <laughs> and I inserted the ads and ruined it for everybody. And for that, I'm eternally sorry. Um, but, you know, I, I, I had a lot of experience editing and cutting music files. I've been a musician since I was 14, and I wanted to learn how to record and, you know, put out demos and, you yeah. know, be a rock star. And... Um, so I, I, I taught myself how to work That's in awesome. Mixer, and I taught myself how to, you know, run the program Acid and, and GarageBand, and, yeah. you know, I went to film school, so I learned Final Cut, which, I mean, if you master one of those, like, you can at least kind of tinker around with everything else, because um, they're, they're similar uh, in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah, um, I did the Chris Gore podcast his podcast is called pod crash with that chris gore i did it from november of 2012 to probably about um and say january 2014 okay now i was curious about so so the podcast with the chris gore pod crash the i love the premise of the show which is he doesn't I guess technically he doesn't do his own podcast. He's a guest on yeah. other podcasts, but he's, I guess he guests enough that, that he basically puts together uh, this, you know, this, you know, his own podcast. So I love the idea, but I, but my first thought was, you know, how, how, I don't know, like how far in advance does he, 
does he book shows or does it come a week where there's no podcast to be on or has that been an issue? I, I think um, he tries to keep everything evergreen, mm-hmm. which that is a term for like it can air any time. Okay. Um, it's not topical. Got it. So, um, but if the, the episodes are topical, um, he usually posts them quicker. Okay. Um, there was a time where I think he was doing an episode every week. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's doing them very sporadically because he has other things going on. Right. Um, but he would go on a show, and he would take clips of that show, and he would do wraparounds for it. Like, he would introduce it, you know, mm-hmm. I was on the show. And it's kind of unique because it's it's almost like you get a behind-the-scenes. Like, he'll talk about, you know, oh, they have a cool studio set up, or, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, we recorded it, you know, in the living room and they served us you know fried chicken like <laughs> that type of stuff um you know or if he has a negative experience on it like he'll be honest he'll That's just cool. be like i wasn't really feeling the host or yeah. you know that question kind of took me off guard and everything like that so it, it is a unique concept and it was a lot of fun uh working for chris and i still consider chris a friend he's you know helped me out yeah. a lot That's but awesome. um the sideshow gig came as an extension of that because his producer sean merrick um I basically told him, I told Sean, I was just like, look, I, you know, I just graduated um, in May of 2013. Um, I just graduated. I need to find work. Like, I've been an intern since, you know, 2004. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to start actually getting paid for my time. Yeah. You know, if you have anything in Sideshow, please let me know. And, you know, a few months later, he called and said, well, we have something in Sideshow if you want. And now I work there part-time as an associate producer or junior producer, if you will. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping that they bring me on full-time. And the producer title, that's uh, is that sort of for the Sideshow Network in general? Because I know you work on comics on comics, but you also work on other shows. Yeah, it's it's in general. I mean, I, I produce every show that comes in and that I actually sit down and record and work the mixer for. Um, I'm technically the producer. Okay. I also help with booking, like... You know, uh, now I actually have my own business cards from Sideshow before I was handing out Panda Fuzz (laughs) Inc. uh, business cards and just being like, yeah, this is my personal, you know, uh, (laughs) like I handed Diedrich Bader like a uh, Panda Fuzz (laughs) Inc. business card because I didn't have my own Sideshow business card. But um, but yeah, I mean, everything that falls under our umbrella that we record in studio um, that I work on, I, you know, it's considered that i produce it that's awesome uh while we're so long as we're talking about podcast um so so you mentioned that uh, you would uh, intern for first uh kevin smith yeah and for anybody who's you know like a fan of the the podcast world uh it you i i am i have to imagine that many if not most people who sort of listen to podcasts have at least some sort of uh, understanding that kevin smith has sort of created something of a podcasting empire of sorts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, you know, basically him and Adam Carolla, that's, really. That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. And it's kind of a bummer. They had a falling out a few years ago. I don't know if they've mended fences, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I I read a little bit about that, and I remember trying to to, to find some info, but I, I didn't find a whole lot about it. Do you know what the what their, what their disagreement was about? Um, essentially, uh, I mean, to put it in a nutshell... Um, Adam is not a very technological s- savvy guy. Okay. He doesn't check his emails a lot and everything like that, which you'd think in this day and age with his profession, right. he would kind of step up. But Adam's Adam, so and I 
talked to Bald Brian about this, and he told me the same thing. But um, there was a miscommunication between okay. him and Kevin. Uh, Kevin thought that he was going to be on a show called Pod Damn It that uh-huh. Kevin was putting on, and Kevin advertised, and it was basically Kevin going to the manager at the time of the John Lovitz Theater. Okay. And the guy was just like, yeah, we can get, you know, Adam Carolla for your show. Kevin Smith was like, awesome, cool, yeah. Well, that guy didn't really go on his word. Okay. Uh, so Kevin was thinking, oh, yeah, it's solid, you know. So-and-so told me it's solid, so I'm just going to promote. Okay. And Kevin or Adam went on a radio show, like, a few days before the event, and they were like, so you're going to be on Pot Damn It with it, you know, <laughs> Kevin Smith. And uh, they were like, what? Or Adam was like, what? Like, I don't know anything about this. And they are like, yeah, you're advertising. And he was just like... Oh, if, if Kevin thinks that I'm going to be on the show, then he probably should call me or let me know <laughs> because I don't know anything about it. My people don't know anything about it, you know. So when he no-showed, Kevin kind of took that personal, okay. and there was some animosity, and, you know. Adam got basically screwed out of a TV show that um, him and Kevin Smith were going to do. Uh-huh. Kevin was like, he no-showed my show. I don't want to work with this guy. Oh, wow, okay. So um, he got screwed out of, you know, a lot of money. I think yeah. it was like 500 grand. Oh, wow. It was supposed to be like a TMZ type, you know, yeah. show where him and Kevin would comment on, you know, the entertainment industry and stuff like that. Um, but when it didn't go through, um, Adam said in passing on one of the episodes, and it blew me away because, you know, last I heard they were friends. Yeah. Um, he was just like, yeah, you know, like, I, I can tell you about, you know, douchebags in this industry. I can tell you a story that makes Kevin Smith look like a douchebag in passing. Uh-huh. But, of course, you know, his readers latched onto that. And they're just like, <laughs> what's your beef with Kevin Smith? So people are bombarding him with emails. Just, you know, explain the story. Like, why is Kevin Smith, a, you know, a douchebag? So finally, Adam lamented. And he was just like, all right, people keep, you know, bugging me about it. And he told his side of the story. And then the next day... Kevin told his side of the story uh-huh. and then you know Adam said oh that's not true you know I have this to you know show Kevin Smith was like oh I have this to show and Adam invited Kevin on the show yeah and they kind of laid out their problems and everything like that um, as an outsider because I think that was during my time uh, the time where you know my internship was winding down with them okay I was listening to it, and I was just like, oh, you know, I'm kind of siding with Adam more (laughs) in this, you know? I mean, it is kind of, it would be nice to say, you know, making sure, you know, you're on the show. Right. Not assuming. I mean, you know, with you, like, I I sent you messages (laughs) on Facebook, like, you know, still, you know, coming, you know, is everything still okay? Because, I mean, that's just professional courtesy. Yeah. And, you know, nothing against Kevin. Um, Kevin's always been nice to me. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, when I tell people that I interned with Kevin Smith, it wasn't directly under Kevin Smith. I wasn't hanging out with him every day. Right. I wasn't, you know, around him um, constantly. I don't even know if he knew my name, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I mean, um, but he was always nice to me. But just uh, he put a lot of stuff on his people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's people weren't necessarily equipped to handle it oh okay um for whatever reason maybe they had other things going on maybe they just you know thought well it's going to fall to the next person right but kevin ran a very disorganized empire if you will right okay and that's just my perspective i'm not bashing anybody because i'm still friends with the people that work there i just think that 
Kevin kind of expected them to handle things, and uh, yeah, nobody handled it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he has a bunch of shows under the uh, the Smodcast banner. Did you work on uh, more than one, or what shows did you work on? Um, I started out actually um, filming Hollywood Babylon. I okay. used to do it at the John Lovitz. Theater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would um, at first I would just make sure I was basically a runner, like the people working the camera, like if they need something to drink or if you know they need a, to switch out batteries or whatever. Yeah. I would do that because I specifically told them. I don't want to run the camera. I have a fear <laughs> of cameras. They're expensive. I drop things. It's not a good combination. So, um, and I, I also got the job because I told them I had to experience editing, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't used Final Cut Pro since probably 2004. Okay. Or no, no, not 2004, like 2006. Okay. And I know that, you know, every year they come up with an updated version and... I, you know, I, I told, um, you know, the guy that kind of ran this operation, I told him, all you have to do is just sit me down and run me through it. That way it kind of clicks in my memory. Yeah. Well, he never did for whatever reason. He always got sidetracked. He was always busy, everything like that. So I was originally brought on to be an editor, which is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, like, they finally were like, we well, need to find a use for this kid. So... <laughs> They put me on a camera. Okay. And, you know, I, I did it well. Like, it was a stationary camera. I just made sure that I was running. <laughs> I, you know, I, but I set up and I, I got good at it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was something that I could do. And while I was doing that, um, Jordan Monsanto, who's uh, Jason Muse's wife, you know, okay. Jay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. From, from Jane, Jane Silent Bob. Bob. Yeah. Um, she uh, came to me and she was like, Would you like to do some more work for Smodco? Because technically the work I was doing wasn't for Smodco. It was for Absolute Value Productions. Oh, okay. Um, the production crew that Kevin Smith hired Got to, it. to videotape him. I was like, yeah, I would love to do Smodco um, stuff. So she put me in touch with the guy that was her assistant at the time. Uh-huh. And um, he gave me assignments. I would cut the uh, sound files um, into three separate files. Mm-hmm. And in between those files, I would insert ads okay like 30 second ads you know sp- with the sponsors and everything like that and i did that for the back catalog and i did hundreds of them to oh, the wow. point where i was listening to kevin's voice for like six hours every day <laughs> and you know i i love kevin i love his movies you know but listening to somebody's voice for six <laughs> hours a day for like a good portion of a year yeah just you know like i i have a hard time watching his movies now it just you know and that's what happened with chris gore too i have a hard time listening to podcast not because i have anything against chris gore not yeah. because i i don't like his show but it's just you know you hear one person's voice yeah and it's just oh man <laughs> that's cool so but yeah for uh hollywood balance that's cool that you got to work on that one because that's uh that one's my favorite yeah uh, that's that's a great one and that's that's uh ralph garman's the man is he? he I, oh, he's such yeah. a good guy. I love listening to him, and he seems cool. But I, you know, it's nice to. It's always nice to hear that uh, that uh, that he's cool. What's he like, Ralph Carmen? Um, again, I didn't have much interaction with him. The first time I actually spoke to him was um, at Comic Con oh, in cool. 2012. Okay. Yeah, and I walked up to him, and I was just like, "Hey, you know, like I work for you know, the crew and everything like that, and I I haven't got a chance to say this, but I'm a big fan of your work, and you know, you're awesome." 
he was just like, thanks, man. And I was just like, you know, I heard that you were running the Amazing Spider-Man panel. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I did that. And I was just like, I really wanted to be there. And as a matter of fact, to this day, the Amazing Spider-Man panel in 2012 was the only Comic-Con panel that I've wanted to go to, really wanted to go to. Yeah. And didn't get to go because we lined up too late. Like, I am the <laughs> Comic-Con master. Like, if there's something I want to see, like, yeah. I, I know what time I need to line up. I know, you know. Yeah. If you're running with me and you want to see a panel that I want to see, you're going to see it. Like, Yeah. I've never done any of the Comic-Cons. Oh, wow. I've always wanted to. In fact, I, I you know, like, uh, I would say, well, one of the things that we're, we're eventually going to talk about is mm-hmm. my, uh, my, my very sort of limited knowledge of comic books and how I want to beef that up a little bit. Which is a, a a big a, a big portion of how uh, how you and I kind of came together, but I'd I'd say in a year and a half, two years ago, something like that, as I kind of started getting back into comic books, I was thinking Comic Con that sounds cool. People talk about that. I bet that'd be fun. Let me check that out. Only to find out that there's you know, I th- I think if you've never gone, it's something like a, like a two or three year like wait list or something. Just oh, there like... is no waiting list. Oh no, oh please, no, please, no. Don't... There's uh, talk to there's. Me about it. <laughs> Uh, it's a clusterfuck. That's okay. what it is. Um, the first year I went to Comic-Con was in 2007, and I bought tickets probably about five months before the event. And I bought them online, and my friends that went with me bought their tickets probably like three months before the event. And they were still selling badges mm-hmm. on site, not for the whole week, but for the day. Because Comic-Con, you get preview night, which is Wednesday. Okay. Um, they don't, <clears throat> sorry, really have panels. They have, you know, like screeners. Like they'll show like um, a pilot of a show coming up. Oh, okay. But you get to walk the floor and get all the free swag. Yeah. And they only open the floor to like, you know, I think like you know, like 10,000 people. Okay. Um, which, you know. How many people pass through Comic-Con? Like, because uh, it's San Diego Comic-Con. That's the big one. Yeah, that's the biggest one in the world. Um, hundreds of thousands wow. of people. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but 2007, you know, it was really easy to get a ticket. And I went 2008. And they didn't sell any on-site. But still, up until like a few months, mm-hmm. you can get a ticket. Okay. I wasn't in a rush to get my ticket for next year. And I'm waiting in line. And this is kind of a tangent, but it's it's very relative to <laughs> my theory on why Comic-Con exploded so much. I'm, I'm standing in line to go see the panel for Watchmen. They're going to show footage that they haven't shown. I okay. mean, they had the teaser for uh, Watchmen on, uh, that was attached to The Dark Knight uh-huh. with, you know, um, the Smashing Pumpkins song, uh, the end is the beginning is the end, okay. or was it the beginning is the end is the beginning. Anyways, uh, one of those songs, and I remember seeing that, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be the best movie ever!" Like, this is. Do you remember that trailer? Uh, it sounds familiar. I, I remember the. Uh, I remember seeing the first. I remember the first Watchmen trailer I saw. My guess is probably the one you're talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just the music fit, yeah. the look. You know, it, it. Being a comic book fan, you know, since the early '90s. I mean, everybody was waiting for them to make a Watchmen movie, and everybody was waiting for them to make it horribly. (laughs) I mean, that's one of those things, and you see that trailer, and you're just like, wow, this looks like the comic. This is going to be true to the comic. Yeah, in my case, too, not to cut you off, the the trailer looked great, and uh, but I'd never heard of the Watchmen, Mm -hmm. and uh, and so I, like during the trailer, like I I just thought it looked really cool. Yeah, 
and then uh then somewhere in the trailer they mention it they they, they reference it being you know uh, just this really important seminal graphic novel and i was thinking it seems like it seems like i would have heard of like any of these characters i'm, I'm looking for like yeah. batman or superman just somebody so uh, I, I knew the movie was coming out so i made a point of buying the the, the watchman graphic novel and reading it and um just just fucking amazing if, if it's and it's and again this is for me i hadn't I don't think I'd read a comic book since I was maybe a teenager, probably younger than that. And, and you know, and it was it, I was trying to I was trying to reflect on how I fell away from comics because I loved him as a kid. Mm. And you know, if I had to guess, because I because I, I also grew up as a big wrestling fan, and so maybe like professional wrestling kind of took up whatever comic book space I had in my brain. Yeah, I hear you. But um, but when I read The Watchmen, it was such a great story, and it was such a great comic. And it was so much fun to kind of get back into comics. I think that was kind of the initial spark a few years ago. But again, we'll talk about it later because I'm going to let you get back to your story about The Watchmen. But I've been kind of trying ever since to kind of tone my way back into comics. And I never quite know how to do it. But That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but back to your Watchmen story. I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, no, no worries. And, you know, speaking to, to what you said about The Watchmen and not being familiar with the characters and everything and how it kind of came out of the blue, I think it, the reason why is because they didn't have a lot of merchandising to mm. do with it. They didn't have a TV show. They didn't have, you know, like the Watchmen was a self-contained series yeah. up until recently where they did the, you know, before Watchmen or whatever that series is called. Okay. So, I mean, you know, you have 50, you know, like, what is it, 75 years of Superman going on and, <laughs> you know, kind of engraving itself into the public conscious. You didn't have that with Watchmen. It was a yeah. self-contained story. You don't have t-shirts with Rorschach, at least back then you didn't. Right. Um, but anyways, um, so I'm really psyched to see the Watchmen panel. I'm looking around and I'm just like, wow, there are a lot of women here. <laughs> there are a lot of, like, females. Like, this is weird. And I'm looking around, and they're all wearing these shirts that say Team Jacob and Team Edward. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this must be like a San Diego thing. Like, they must be really, really spirited about their, like, you know, high school, like, student council elections. Because uh-huh. that's what I thought it was. I thought they were like, you know, you know, support Edward. He's running for school president. Because the shirts were homemade. Like, you know, they were, you know, sparkling and whatnot. Which is hilarious that I thought that. So I'm, I get finally get into the panel. I'm looking around. And it's the most packed I've ever seen. Hall H for uh, anybody who's never been to Comic Con is where they show like all the movie trailers and all. They have all the big movie panels, mm-hmm. and it seats close to seven thousand people. Oh wow! And this place was packed out with girls screaming, <laughs> and I'm just looking around. I'm like what's going on like this used to be like a total sausage fest i'm not one of those people who are like girls have no place at comic-con yeah. please like <laughs> of course you know i, I want to meet a girl at comic-con like that's my dream <laughs> so i'm uh sitting next to this guy and i'm just like do you know why there's so many girls here and he's like well, it's probably because twilight and i was like it's twilight He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I look through the program, and I'm reading the synopsis, and it's like, you know, uh, Bella falls in love with a werewolf, or with a vampire, you know, but, you know, there's a werewolf that also loves her, and, you know, and it's drama and action and whatnot. I'm reading this, I'm like, it's kind of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I can get behind those. <laughs> So they the panel goes off and it's just like Beatlemania, women screaming, and just <laughs> oh my gosh, it was deafening. And the filmmakers come out 
and Stephanie Meyer, the writer of Twilight, comes out, and Kristen Stewart comes out, wow. and they're on the stage, and the girls are just freaking out, and I'm just like, I don't get it. <laughs> they show a clip, and the the I haven't seen any of the Twilight movies. I've read the first book, because uh-huh. I was just like, I need to know what this phenomenon is yeah. about. I hated the first book. I'm not a Twilight <laughs> fan at all. It, you know what? Twilight, to me, is like going on MySpace back in the day and reading like somebody's blog who just got dumped. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, you know, but anyways, people love it. I yeah. don't understand it. Um, so I'm sitting there and Kristen Stewart comes out and people are asking her questions. But the thing that really stuck out in my mind is this little girl, like probably like nine years old, walks up to the, the microphone and asks... Um, Stephanie Meyer, she's like, um, how did you come up with the idea for Twilight? Stephanie Meyer's just like, well, I, um, I had this dream that, um, this really, really hot, beautiful guy was laying in bed next to me and (laughs) he was telling me how much he loved me, but then he was telling me how much he wanted to kill me and I started writing I'm like (laughs) you told that to a fucking nine-year-old like Jesus like wow um okay so it's funny I texted um my buddy who I won't name okay um but I texted him and he was just like you know Twilight I've heard of that I was like okay and he's like this girl that you dated who like just it was like you know she's the the bane to my Batman, if you will. She <laughs> broke me years and years ago. But um, he's like, yeah, she's a big fan of it. And I was just like, so this, what you're telling me is this book's a piece of shit. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, but every year after that, I mean, the tickets were harder and harder oh, to wow, get. Okay. The, uh, the waiting, like, there was, there's not necessarily a waiting list. Um, you go into, you, you go into, like, these, like, chat not chat room things but like a a, well a waiting room okay and they i guess they randomly select you know people from that waiting room or you have to keep pushing i don't know um i went through the nightmare process to get my buddy eddie a ticket (laughs) uh i've been fortunate enough up until this year to have professional passes because um i started a uh web comic with a bunch of friends that never went anywhere but comic-con like didn't really catch on so they're like you know oh yeah anthony bench is a professional again and i was like i'll take a professional pass so um but yeah i mean it's not something that you sign up i mean you can at comic-con actually like register for the next year but the line is massive now okay um you know luckily from my experience was when i do and you know the fact that i am a comic book creator now which is awesome to say <laughs> yeah um, it is I have access to professional passes. It's not hard for me to get into Comic Con, and I'm not bragging. Yeah. But, um, no, I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, but um, yeah, Comic Con, you know, it gets worse every year. I think. Yeah. Just as as far as like it's shifting away, I wouldn't recommend people go to Comic Con anymore. Uh-huh. Uh Just because it's miserable. There's too many people. Mm. I would recommend going to WonderCon, which is in Anaheim. Okay. Um, or Kamikaze. That's the Stan Lee one, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And that one's fun. It's smaller. You won't get, you know, the big stars that you will at Comic-Con. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, do you really need the big stars? Yeah. Like, but, yeah. Um, 
So that's my my spiel on Comic Con, if you will. No, that's that's actually that's 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 useful because, like I said, I haven't done any of the uh, any of the cons, as as we comic book fans call it. Well, <laughs> I'm pretending to be I'm, I'm pretending to be cooler than I than I am. No, you, you know what? Like, let's 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 bash this right now. Let's do like, it. You don't have to be an expert on comics to love comic books. You okay. don't have to be an expert to be a comic book fan. And if anybody tells you otherwise, fuck them. <laughs> like honestly, like I I'm sick of people that are just like, oh, you don't know what issue you know Wolverine <laughs> debuted. It's like no. I don't. I know that I like Wolverine, and I know that I like the Hulk, and I know that they've been around for, like, 40 years. Well, Wolverine's been around for four years. Uh-huh. Hulk's been around for much longer. But I, I like the characters. Yeah. I like them because of the cartoons, because of the movies, whatever. You like the characters. You're yeah. a comic book fan. Yeah. Well, you're already making me feel better. <laughs> I think I've been beating myself up, feeling like, feeling like I need to beef up my, it's, my, my cred, my comic book cred. It's intimidating, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people get this like impression that you walk into a comic book shop and you have like this like you know the stereotypical comic book guy from the simpsons like sitting behind <laughs> the counter just like you know staring at you just like what are you doing around here boy that type of thing and i'm sure there are a lot of places like that but don't go to those places yeah like um but i mean the thing about the geek community the nerd community whatever you want to call it is that for the most part we're very inclusive yeah, you know, you go up to a comic book uh, guy, you know, working at a counter, and just be like, you know, hey, you know, like, can you recommend me any books? He'll talk your ear off on what you know. <laughs> well, what are you into? Oh, you know, like, dude, I'm recommending Aquaman. You know, like <laughs> that type of thing. And I recommend Aquaman all the time. Aquaman's amazing. Everybody gives him shit, but he's great. <laughs> um, but you know, like, I think that that's what the community should be because. Yeah. At the core of it, you know, it, I know it's different now, but back in the day, we were the outcasts. Mm-hmm. We were the kids that were told, you need to grow up. Right. You need to stop reading comic books, or you need to stop watching professional wrestling. It's fake. <laughs> you know, that type of shit. Yeah. Like, we need to be like, we didn't grow up, or at least we grew up and we still had this attachment, still had this love. I don't think it's arrested development. I think right. it's just, you know, it, we're getting to the point where it's socially acceptable now to like comic yeah. books. Yeah, and and I think I'm sure uh, I, I might even be just sort of stating the obvious, but I think the the movies have had a, a big a big part to play in that. Oh, absolutely. That, uh, that they've made it a lot more mainstream, uh, and that they're just really good. Like the quality of them are they're just making really good films. Yeah. Where where there was a long time where uh, they weren't. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember like as a kid, like all I wanted was. A superhero movie, just just give me anything. Like I, I mean, you know, we we had the like I grew up on the the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I think I'm a, okay. I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah. And um, but Batman was always my favorite as a kid. And I was just just you know, it, it, I, I couldn't. I got like, some good Batman recommendations. Oh, for God, I, yeah. I, I look forward to talking about that. And of course, you know, the uh, the the Adam West series was uh was was you know one of, it was one of my favorite things to watch as a okay. kid. But I wanted a movie so badly. So I remember vividly in a that's what well, so the Tim Burton's Batman movie that 89. was that was eighty nine yeah. so it must have been I was three <laughs> so so for, I was let's see I would have been uh, let's see I was probably like in like maybe like the sixth grade so whatever whatever age that is twelve thirteen something like not thirteen what am I saying that's I'd say like eleven or twelve something like mm-hmm. that and I remember about a year before it came out uh, there there was already like uh, there, I guess like Batman merchandise but it wasn't very interesting it was like the 
uh, like I don't know if you like the the Batman poster. It was the the Batman insignia. Yeah. But but the two ends were cut off, and I always thought that it was like it was too big for the frame. But I think it was just maybe a weird Tim Burton choice. Uh, and so I remember getting like a button, because um, I think as a kid that's what I could afford at the time. I remember getting a button, and uh, there was a, a novelization for the Batman movie, so I got that. Uh, and ironically, as a writer, I didn't I didn't really read very much as a kid, but I got that. Just like anything that I can get to to sort of hold me over till this movie came out. And then when the movie came out, for me, it was like Christmas. Like, I remember yeah. I showed up. My brother took me to a midnight screening at, um, I don't think they had Universal City Walk at the time, but it's basically that area where that became the City Walk. And uh, and I was all decked out. I literally had a Batman hat and T-shirt and watch and shoes, I think. Uh, Did you have one of those, like, Tiger Electronic handheld games <laughs> I, that were so uh, cheap oh i don't think i did fuck i should have but uh, that sounds like billions on those i'm sure and so the uh so the tim Burton movie that sort of i think that sort of uh uh that kind of opened the floodgates a little oh, bit oh yeah absolutely and then but then there but then there was for such a long time there were shitty movies mm-hmm. just really shitty movies and I, I think it was kind of oversaturation mm-hmm. um, because now that you know Batman made it mm-hmm. now we have to make a Captain America movie right. and nobody remembers this Captain America movie but it starred Matt Salinger I think that's how you <laughs> say the name is came out in 1991 I think yeah. awful yeah it's terrible. terrible they tried to make a Fantastic Four movie god awful it's bad um you know but they really like the only one that was successful at that point was batman like yeah. batman was the big one they tried the shadow <laughs> right. shadow didn't work right um they did the crow and the crow was awesome the crow was successful the yeah. crow like i think had more of an impact on the music industry mm-hmm. than it did the the film industry yeah. it's still a great comic book adaption yeah and at the, at, the, at the time it was like years later before i even found out it was a comic book yeah i had no idea yeah i mean because they they were I, I think marketing at that time was kind of still ashamed to admit uh, you know yeah. because the mask was a comic book movie too oh i had yeah. i had no idea jim, about that jim carrey's the mask uh, no was clue. based on dark horse comic book series which was a lot different from the movie but again, you don't know that thing because I don't think they're marketing it. Now, yeah. because comic books are big, they're marketing it, you know, based <laughs> on the graphic novel or yeah. based on, you know. But back then, they were very ashamed of it. Marketing was essentially. And I think the downward spiral came at the point where Batman Forever came out. Right. Um, people, you know, I think people responded to that movie with a big meh. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't like the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. It was more towards, you know, the, the campy stuff. Yeah. But then when Batman and Robin came out, like, <laughs> that embraced the campiness. Like, yeah. Batman Forever was kind of teetering on the, the the edge. Batman and Robin, I remember seeing that movie, and I must have been 11. Uh-huh. And I was just like, this is shit. Like, <laughs> this is not a good movie. This is awful. Like, everything about it was awful. And, you know, that was back in the day where you ver- were very hard pressed to find a movie that I hated just because I loved movies <laughs> yeah. so much. Yeah. And I think and maybe that might even be the first movie that I absolutely <laughs> downright hated. I was the same as a kid. If it was a movie, I, I, I was, I was almost just a predisposed to enjoying it just mm-hmm. because I loved watching movies so yeah. much. And that comes back to bite you in the ass when you, you know, see like a DVD bargain bin and you're just like, 
oh wow the never ending story 2 for only five dollars <laughs> i remember loving that and then you put it in and you're like oh my god i wasted five dollars um uh, tarnished a piece of your childhood <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's gone it'll never like i remember loving the lost world jurassic park <laughs> like that, I loved it better than the first one. Now right. I watch it and it's just cringeworthy. It's just like, <laughs> but um, yeah, Batman and Robin. Like after that, they were gonna make a uh, a Superman movie, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I think we talked about it. Kevin oh, Smith we, was writing. We it. sure did. Yeah, yeah, and uh, John Schnapp is doing a uh, a documentary that looks fantastic about you know everything. Um, that went into that. He has Tim Burton, because Tim Burton was going to direct it. Right. He has Kevin Smith. He has um, Nicolas Cage, who was going to play Superman. <laughs> I which remember. I don't see it. I still don't see it. I, yeah. You know, like I, I saw pictures. And oh, I never saw pictures. Are they online, or do you just saw them? Yeah, they're online. Because I remember years ago. I guess about the time they were doing it, I remember seeing him. I'm pretty sure it was on uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, but talking about doing Superman, talking about. Uh, doing a trying on the costume and taking pictures so it was a project that was it was so far along that they were like talking about it and then just it kind of went away well i I mean i i've read bits and pieces of the script Mm -hmm. and to me it wasn't good it's Mm -hmm. not the superman movie i want to see john schnett he um he disagrees um he thinks it would have been a fantastic movie Mm -hmm. it was very bold it was very you know they tried to make Superman into like Star Wars. Oh, okay. And to me, I read the script. I'm just like, okay, like this is an opportunity to make a toy. This is an opportunity to, okay. you know, sell a T-shirt. Like it's just a big merchandising thing. Yeah. But you know, uh, I, I, I it, that's a movie I would not have liked to see. Yeah. Um, people disagree with me, but you know, whatever. Where did your uh, love for comic books start? Um. Every, I think, Friday, I would go and spend time with my mom's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's friend was a very sweet woman named Cindy Tucker. Mm-hmm. And Cindy Tucker had two kids. Um, Emily was younger than me, but Boone was a few years older. Okay. So Boone Tucker um, was a big st- uh, Star Wars fan, comic book fan, like, and I wanted to be like him. Like, yeah. he was... You know, growing up, I didn't have a father, and I'm not saying he was a father figure because he was a few years. Yeah. But he was at least a big brother figure. Yeah. Like, you know, all the stuff that he deemed cool, <laughs> I need to get into yeah. to appease him, you know? So, uh, like, I watched Star Wars for the first time uh, because of him. Um, <laughs> I, you know, but I would see him read comic books. I would see him, you know, have Spider-Man issues and everything lying around. And I remember looking at his issues of x-men and just wanting to know what the characters were like yeah. wanting to know what they were saying wanting to know what they were up to wondering why they're fighting this guy what's their beef with this guy mm-hmm. and that really drove me to learn how to read oh wow um how old were you i, I was probably five or six okay um i was i was an early reader and i picked up on it like really quick yeah. like i read my first novel like a star wars novel uh, when I was like seven. Oh wow! Like I, I just wanted to read. I wanted to know all about these characters. Yeah. I remember um, I was more so into Star Wars younger age. Like I loved comic books. Yeah. But I, I kind of you know going back to you feel kind of overwhelmed about you know like where do I jump in? <laughs> yes. I felt the same way because when you would buy a comic book, 
it would be like you know issue 127 <laughs> yes. it's like i have no idea what happened in the previous 126 <laughs> issues um you know like who are these characters like who's the bad guy who's the good guy and everything and i got lost yeah. um so you know i um really gravitated towards star wars and i had this book is called the essential guide to star wars characters okay and i studied it like i memorized <laughs> it like i learned about obscure characters and just so i think like that really translated well when i started getting more into comic books yeah and um you know i i remember looking at an issue of toy fair magazine because i used to read that to learn about the new star wars action figures coming mm -hmm. out because i was collecting them yeah and I was looking at some Wolverine action figures and Cyclops and, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, all that. And I was yeah. just like, man, like, I wish I knew what I was doing <laughs> so I could <laughs> jump back into comic books. Yes. And, you know, they, I, I wish I, you know, had some kind of reference point to get back into these characters because I've always loved the characters. Yeah. And the movies started coming out. Yeah. It's like, this is perfect. Um, you know, and... That's also kind of the, the era where everybody had America Online. Uh -huh. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of the precursor to Google where you can just, you know, do a keyword search like uh -huh. Spider-Man. And they would have, you know, like art articles on Spider-Man. I could be like, okay, cool. You know, like I knew he was bitten by a radioactive, you know, spider. Yeah. But I didn't know that, you know, Gwen Stacy had, you know, gotten killed right in front of him. Uh -huh. And, you know, that's like a an essential part of the Spider-Man story. Mm -hmm. Um, that's neat. So, I mean, if, if anybody wants to learn about comic books, but they're intimidated, Wikipedia, like yeah. Wikipedia, <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, you know, you can catch up on so much stuff, like, <laughs> you know, because as a comic book fan, there's times where you're too poor to, to buy comic books, uh -huh. you know, especially as a kid, like, you know, um, so I go on Wikipedia and I read kind of like the in-betweens of like when I could buy comic books and when I couldn't <laughs> and try to kind of fill in the gaps and everything like that. And you also have to realize that there are very few experts because comic books have been around for, you know, close to a hundred years now. Yeah. And there's been so many different interpretations of the character. Like the Superman of the sixties is much different from the Superman we have now. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the Superman from the seventies is a lot different from the Superman we had 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I consider myself like I was really reading superman religiously when i was well during the 90s okay so i know that superman that superman to me had a mullet <laughs> and you know they also split him off into you know after he died into red superman and blue superman where his uh powers were energy based not a bright time for the superman <laughs> character um but that's the superman that you know i grew up with yeah and, uh, you know, now it's it's fun going back and reading, you know, the earlier, you know, versions of Superman. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Superman is one of those characters that there's been so many different interpretations of him, you know, even in the movies mm -hmm. now, that you kind of pick what you like and you focus on it. Yeah. And I just, you know, you take the good and the bad. I don't necessarily like the uh, mullet that Superman <laughs> had. But I liked the fact that, you know, they did something bold and they killed him. Granted, they brought him back. It right. was a big publicity stunt. But <laughs> that was cool to me. Yeah, but it was, yeah, I remember that. I, oh, yeah. Do you remember the, because I remember when it happened. Do you remember about the year and I could figure out how old I was? I think it was 93. 
Okay, so 93. So yeah, I would have been about 14, 15 years old. But I remember that was about the time where I, I was still, I enjoyed comic book. I, I loved superheroes and comic book characters, but I, I wasn't really reading comic books as much. So, so I remember that was a really big deal because I remember seeing it like on the news. They yeah. were talking about it. I remember comic book stores. There was uh, just lines of people to, to pick it up. And, uh, and uh, even though they, they eventually brought him back, it was terrifically successful, I imagine, for the purpose of, you know, I guess, I don't know, getting people back into it or reminding people that comic books are around. And I think that was the first time, like, it was actually, like, you know, it, Jean Grey died previously and mm-hmm. came back as the Phoenix. But I think Superman was the first time that, you know, like, the big one. Yeah. The big <laughs> one died. You know, like, he was, a, a lot of people consider him the first superhero. Oh, yeah. He's not, but a lot of people think that. Yeah. Like, a lot of people think that Super Mario Brothers is the first video game. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, he, he's the big one, and yeah. he died, and it was a big event. And, I mean, I remember watching it on the news and stuff like that. And now that's common. Like, Captain America died, I remember watching it on the news. <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. Even, like, um, Joe Casado was, like, on... Steve Colbert, like uh-huh. after it happened, gave Steve Colbert the shield. <laughs> like that kind of stuff happens all the time. I was always wondering where the shield came from. Yeah, I had no idea. That's, yeah, that's what happened. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, it was the first time that happened, and I remember something very similar happened to Batman. I think the same year, Bane broke Batman's back. Right. And that was a big story, not necessarily as big as Superman dying, but right. I mean, you have for the first time ever. Bruce Wayne isn't Batman anymore. You have this new guy named Paul Jean Valley as Batman. Uh-huh. So people were, you know, buying those books, trying to figure out, you know, is Bruce Wayne ever going to come back? And he eventually did. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of where my love started. That's cool. I bet there's a lot. Of, yeah, you were talking about uh, Batman and Bane and how he broke his back. And uh, I haven't read that particular comic, but, I, like, I was aware that Bane broke his back mm-hmm. in the comics. And, uh... And I'll bet you, and, and this isn't a good or a bad thing, but I'll bet you there's a lot of people who watched uh, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, Rises yeah. and uh, uh, probably had no idea that Bane was either uh, maybe from the comic books or that, that the scene that they had in the movie uh, reflected what happened in the comics. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very critical on the, uh, the Nolan universe. Mm-hmm. That's what people call it. And a lot of people love it. And yeah. I think that it's restrictive as far as storytelling, uh, from a storytelling point of view, like it's very restrictive. Yeah. Nolan wants to make it realistic. Yeah. That's fine. But he also bends the rules way too much where it's like, okay, the, you know, how can this guy survive that fall? You know, everything. Yeah. Suspension of belief. I get it. But if he's trying to make a realistic universe, he's excluding characters like, you know, uh, Mr. Freeze, uh-huh. Poison Ivy, you know, Clayface, like yeah. all these iconic characters that have great stories. I would love to see Christian Bale's Batman fight against these characters. Yeah. But it's not realistic enough. Yeah. And, um, you know, with Bane, the Bane from the comic books is, you know, he wears a pro wrestling mask. <laughs> he is augmented. His strength is augmented by this, like, basically liquid steroid called uh-huh. Venom. Uh-huh. And, you know, he beefs up and just, you know, he's he's the guy that took down Batman. Right. And in the movie, he was just basically a boring kind of terrorist. Yeah. And, you know, he broke Batman's back and put Batman out of commission 
for probably about a year. And in the movie, it's just like somebody punches Batman in the back, and now he's like <laughs> apparently good to go. Uh, but you know, no one wants to make these movies realistic. Yeah. Um, Do you think with the uh, like like I, I don't know that it, it feels like I don't know that Scott Snyder is going to make every DC movie. It feels like it. Uh, uh, yeah, he's making uh, Batman uh, v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which is an awful title, and he's making the Justice League. That's the only two that he's actually signed on for. But yeah. he's spearheading yeah. everything, which I which which uh, which I like. And and so I wonder if uh, if in say in the 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 Batman universe that he sort of initiates, if he'll be uh, if his universe will be more open to. Uh, more of the sort of fantastic, uh, less realistic characters? Well, it certainly will, because... Um, well, I guess if it coincides with Superman, it kind of mm-hmm. has to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they did want to bring... Because Nolan produced Man of Steel. Right. Which is why it's kind of dark and yeah. boring. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to, because they're going to do a Justice League movie, and they've already you know, pretty much announced that... Green Lantern's going to be in this universe, this okay. Zack Snyder universe, the Man of Steel universe. Um, you know, Green Lantern. You cannot do a Green Lantern story without you know talking about Oa, talking about how he's a space cop, basically. Uh-huh. I mean, you you just can't. Like, where? How are you going to realistically explain his powers? You got to incorporate that, you know, like mm-hmm. outer space element. You know, same thing with Wonder Woman. You yeah. Know? You got to go for the fantastic. Same thing with Aquaman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the king of Atlantis, which is underwater. Like, <laughs> you do have to stretch for that fantasy element. So, I mean, the good thing about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel universe is they started out with Superman. Superman is is fantastic as it gets. Yeah, you're already acknowledging <laughs> that there are other planets with life on it. Mm-hmm. You are already exact uh, explaining that there are creatures with enormous power. Yeah. And now you're just adding in Batman, and they're gonna explain that Batman's been operating for years. Yeah. And this is kind of an older Batman, which is why they casted Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And you know now they just have to throw in Wonder Woman and Themyscira, and you know Aquaman with Atlantis, Green Lantern with Oa. So the good thing about that is, I don't see a problem with them fighting somebody like Clayface. Yeah. I don't see a problem with them fighting somebody like Mr. Freeze. I don't see a problem with them fighting somebody like Darkseid. As a matter of fact, if they make a Justice League movie without Darkseid, because Darkseid is like, you know, the Thanos of the DC Universe. Well, oh. actually, Thanos is more the Darkseid of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. But um, Darkseid is who I want to see. I yeah. want to see somebody who it literally takes all the Justice League to take down. Yeah. And even then, you know, he's not down for good. Yeah. He's going to be back. Um, so yeah, I think they will embrace the more fantastical. Elements. Yeah, which will be cool. I was actually hardened too by I, I think like initially when they because actually they announced the the Batman Superman collaboration at Comic Con mm-hmm. twenty. Uh, it was, was last it, year. Was it last year, twenty thirteen? Yeah. And I think they initially. I was there. <laughs> I, watched, I watched the video a couple of times of when they when they announced it and was jealous over and over that I wasn't there. Uh, and so I think the initial announcement was uh twenty fifteen. And yep. then and they they pushed it to what 2016 2017 something like it's that. It's coming out in 2016. And uh, I was actually like the the part of me that's you know excited and wants to see it. You know that part of me was disappointed, but the part of me that 
doesn't want them to rush it. Just take your time. Just get it right. As long as you get it right, I'll wait an extra year. That I was I was very hardened by that that they weren't, and and I don't know who, I, I don't know who was in charge. I imagine there was probably some, at least a few people in suits that you know were were already counting the money. But somebody who was yeah somebody who was at least had some care about these stories and these characters, with with some influence said let's let's do this right and let's put it off until you know 2016 i'm actually going to kind of break your heart now. oh no uh the guy that's kind of um overseeing this movie universe is a guy named david goyer okay and um he you know directed the third blade movie he wrote all the blade movies he was a co-writer in the the, the, the nolan movies or yes no? okay yes he was a co-writer him and uh, jonathan nolan um, you know, you, you think because he put out the the Batman movies, he's done good comic book movies. He's also done very bad ones. Okay, but you think this guy is you know a nerd of the people. You know, <laughs> you think that he would. But recently, he went on you know some podcast that was live, and he said some some very disparaging things against She Hulk. Um. Now, She Hulk, for those that don't know, is one of the pro feminist characters, like. She's a lawyer when she's not big and green, and she's a lawyer when she's big and green. Unlike the Hulk, she can control her rage and anger, and she could function as the Hulk with her super strength. She's almost as strong as the Hulk. You know, she's a character that women can pick up and really kind of root for. She's also, you know, not, I wouldn't say sexually promiscuous, but she's sexual. Yeah. She, you know, represents a character that is okay with sexuality. Yeah. Um, very pro. I, I love She-Hulk. Yeah. I, I would love to see that character brought to the Marvel big screen. Uh, David Goyer basically said, She-Hulk is a porn star with green tits. <laughs> and it's like, wow, okay. Wow. All right, well, you know, you are a DC guy, so, you know, whatever. Maybe you just don't know Marvel very well. But he has made Marvel movies. Um, and he also said, you know, She-Hulk's only there for somebody like the Hulk to bang. Or <laughs> for somebody, for he's... She's only there for the Hulk to bang. Wow. There's a little problem in that theory. Uh, She-Hulk is Hulk's cousin. (laughs) The reason why she has the Hulk, you know, the green, you know, rage issues is because of a blood transfusion. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... They are not banging. (laughs) Like, she's not there to have sex. Granted, there is a a story called Old Man Logan, which I'm going to add to the list of... uh, (laughs) books i'm gonna recommend you good um but uh yeah like in the 616 universe which is the standard universe that's been around since you know the 60s uh they're related then he said something that really pisses off uh dc fans somebody asked him is martian manhunter going to be in the justice league movies martian manhunter is very beloved Mm -hmm. he's basically like superman uh, he has Superman level strength. He has, you know, the ability to phase through things. Uh-huh. He has the ability to, you know, of telepathy. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, he's an essential. He. A lot of people refer to him as the most human part of the Justice League. Okay. Which is, you know, kind of fun because he's from Mars. Yeah. Um, well, he said, we're not going to call him the Martian Manhunter, <laughs> which kind of bothers me, but whatever, yeah. you know. And then he goes, let me ask you guys a question. And he's asking the audience. And he goes, how many of you guys know who the Martian Manhunter is? So people raise their hand. And he's just like, now how many of you guys have actually been laid? <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. It's like, you are fucking speaking to your fans. Yeah. Like, you are speaking to the people that are passionate about the movies that you're putting out. Yeah. And you're just going to disrespect them like that. Like, 
to me, like, that almost kind of worries me. Like, he doesn't have respect for the source material. Yeah. And I think to make a successful movie, you have to have respect for the source material. Oh, yeah. That's why I think The Avengers was such a brilliant movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people disagree with me, but Joss Whedon knows The Avengers. He knows what role they take, you know? Yeah. Thor is the muscle guy. Hulk is the, you know, the loaded gun (laughs) that, you know, everybody's afraid of. Iron Man's the cocky asshole, you know? Captain America is the one that is noble, that's the leader of the team. Yeah. If you have somebody, you know, that dis- is so dismissive of the characters and so dismissive of what the fans think, it's not going to turn out well. A lot of people have criticism about the Man of Steel movies. I liked them. I don't think they're the perfect Superman movie. Yeah. But I liked them. I don't have a problem with him killing Zod. Yeah. Like, to me, like, they better follow that up in the next one where, like, that's the reason why uh, why Batman's going after Superman. It's oh, like, yeah. Here's yeah. this alien that just took someone's life in his own hands. Yeah. You know, like, that needs to be set up. Lex Luthor, even. Yeah. Like, Lex Luthor being like, this is why we should be afraid of this guy, which is from the comics. Yeah. Lex Luthor's whole thing is, like, this guy can do things that we can't. He's an alien. We shouldn't embrace him as a hero. We should find out ways to kill him. We should yeah. get rid of him. And it's also a personal jealousy thing where it's, you know, no matter how many diseases I cure, no matter how many technological advances I make, I'm not going to be able to fly. I'm not going to be able to inspire people like he is. And that sucks, so that's why I'm going to kill him. And that's kind of a fun, you know. And that'll be great, too, if they they take, because that would make, I mean, Lex Luthor, he's interesting anyway. Yeah. But that would make him a really interesting sort of complex sort of, he could still be a super villain, but he'd be in a very interesting gray area Mm -hmm. where, which, uh, which would be almost, well, I was gonna say almost like Walter White in a Breaking Bad. No, Man. absolutely. Yeah, which yeah. would be, uh, which would be great. If a lot of stories portray Lex Luthor as if there was no Superman, Lex Luthor would be a hero of the people. Hmm. He would be almost like a Steve Jobs type person that brought so much. You know, <laughs> everybody kind of looks at Steve Jobs as like this like icon. Yeah. That, you know, brought us so many advances in technology. That's what Lex Luthor would be. If there wasn't a Superman. Yeah. But now that there is a Superman, he's going to turn all that knowledge, he's going to turn all that ability <laughs> to kill this motherfucker. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't capitalize that on, you know, the Batman versus Superman movie, I'm going to be very upset. A lot of people were pissed off that, oh, Superman didn't really save anybody. There was, you know, wanton destruction going on, right. buildings falling over and everything like that. Well, that's something for Lex Luthor to capitalize on. Yeah. That's something to be like, you know, he brought the aliens here. <laughs> He's the only one. Like, General Zod would have left us alone if it wasn't for Superman. Yeah. Like, he, it's Superman's fault. All the buildings that are destroyed, his fault. Yeah. And I think that's going to rally people to his cause. That's going to, you know, give him basically a posse and, you know, get the people on his side. Yeah. And I saw an interview with Zack Snyder. I th- it might have been the. The one that, uh, that that Kevin Smith moderated, you might have seen it. I think it was on like Yahoo Video or something. But it was uh, but when he was talking to Zack Snyder, and uh, and he was addressing the idea that there was, um, uh, I, I guess there was a you know one one of the complaints that people, and by and I love Man of Steel myself. One of the complaints that people walked away from was that uh, that you know in that big fight scene that that. Um, like we didn't necessarily see people die per se, but there was so much destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, people yeah. died, and so Zack Snyder said that that's definitely something that you know that's going to carry over into the next movie. That that Superman's going to be affected by that. He's going to have to deal with, it, and that's going to be a big part of the the next movie. So he seems pretty. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but he seems very much uh, in tune with not just you know just 
fucking it up and telling us a shitty story. And and I hope that's true. And another thing about, you know, Man of Steel is it's called Man of Steel. It's not called Superman. Yeah. To me, that's because Kal-El or Clark Kent isn't Superman yet. He's yeah. learning how to be Superman. Oh, He's learning point. this is why I can't kill people. Mm-hmm. And the fact, you know, it's very brushed over, and I hate the fact that's brushed over. I would have liked to see a little bit more of, like, the Indian kind of tackling it. Yeah. That that scream of rage, like, he lets out after he kills General Zod, and he just kind of collapses into Lois Lane's arms. Yeah. He had to kill somebody. He didn't want to kill him, but he saw no other way. This guy isn't Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman would have found another way. Oh, This yeah. guy isn't even Superman. Superman probably would have found a way. Mm-hmm. This is just a guy that, you know has superpowers and now he's wearing a suit and he's trying to save the world yeah he's learning yeah and i think that's you know they called it man of steel on purpose yeah. and that's something that you know i would like to see brought up you know i want to see this as superman yeah, i want this to see is, him learn from his mistakes this is why you're the comic book expert i'm feeling <laughs> i'm feeling very good about about our relationship going forward uh well actually we'll go ahead and talk about it because i'm just uh we've been talking for a little while and i realize we haven't even addressed uh precisely <laughs> How we came together, why we came together. We, we we teased it a little bit. So the idea was when we met a couple of weeks ago for uh, for the first time, and uh, uh, I, I found out that you were a, a comic book guy. And so one of the first things I told you was that, you know, I really love comic books. I love the idea of comic books. I grew up reading comic books. Lately, I've been trying to get back into them, but but you know, I, I've had this experience on multiple occasions where I'll 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 get in the car, I'll go to the comic book shop. I'll walk in, and for about five or ten seconds, it's just this amazing you know, euphoric feeling. Mm-hmm. And then the second it comes down to, okay, well, what am I going to get? And I look around, and I was like, fuck, I, I don't so much. Where yeah. do I even start? And then I, I almost always end up buying nothing, and then I walk away defeated. And, and so, and but I'll go back thinking, well, maybe this is the day I can find my footing, and I, and I, and I never do. And so, one of the very first, uh, one of the very first <laughs> things that we we kind of talked about was that. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to find some footing to get myself in there. And uh, and you were, I, I think you were excited to find somebody like me who wanted to get into it. And so right away we kind of meshed. And then uh, we sort of agreed that that would become, uh, that would become the, the, the foundation of our relationship is you'd become my uh, my, my Yoda in, in the comic book world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, that that's something that I, I would love to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we, we haven't talked about it um, yet. Um, but I have experience in the comic book industry, very little experience. I was an intern at IDW publishing. Oh, cool. Uh, my wish is to write comic books for a living. Yeah. Like I, I know that's kind of unrealistic because comic books aren't selling very well right now. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to, you know, be a comic book writer and so much so that me and my buddy, Scott Joseph actually created our own company, pandafussinc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I-N-K, because he's a tattoo artist. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love comic books, and I'm passionate about comic books, and I want to share my love with other people. Yeah. And I want to, you know, give recommendations as much as I can. Um, I actually wrote down some recommendations for oh, you. We can get into that later. But, um, you know, going back to you feeling overwhelmed, um, what I have to say to you is don't start at the beginning because you have 75 years, at least with Superman and Batman, to catch up. That, that's al- way, way too much. That's already comforting. But keep yeah. Going. yeah, you don't have to know everything. And if you're in the company of somebody who expects you to know everything or criticizes you because you don't know everything, mm-hmm. 
fuck that person. <laughs> that person, you know, that person is probably the kind of people that David Goyer was attacking. Somebody who's <laughs> never had a girlfriend and everything like that. Um, you know, those people are not inclusive. Right. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that are resentful that comic books have kind of exploded and, you know, the movies are popular and now it's just like, oh, well, now the cool kids want to know about comic books. Well, they should. Yeah. There shouldn't be cool kids and nerds. <laughs> there should just be a collective. Like, we should all be united. But that's unrealistic. Yeah. But if cool people, quote unquote, are interested in comic books, show them the way. <laughs> show them excellent books. Show them, you know, your knowledge of comic books. You shouldn't be so guarded. And so, you know, people, uh, you know, I, I kind of tapped on this a little bit earlier, but people were really upset that there are so many females at Comic-Con now. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to be there. Like, yeah. I, you know, not necessarily because I like looking at them <laughs> in their, you know, scantily clad outfits. I do. I'm a man. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> Don't apologize for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we want to, to have this, you know, common love. Mm-hmm. You, we want to share our, our love for comic books. And if we don't, then you're an asshole. Yeah. And, you know... Go back to your corner, troll. <laughs> that, that's my my feeling on it. Um, you know, I, yeah, don't start at the beginning. There's plenty of jumping off points, and you don't necessarily have to know all the backstory because there is a Wikipedia, mm-hmm. you know, that you can look up. Characters have their own wiki pages. Yeah. And everything. If you encounter a character and you're just like, this is a really cool character. I wonder if he's, you know, been in other stuff. Look him up. Type his name into a search engine. Like, read, you know, more about what he's done. Mm-hmm. Read where he fits into the place. Um, trade paperbacks are where it's at. Yeah. Single issues get overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I have boxes of single issues, and I'm just like, they aren't really worth anything. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I wish, you know, trade paperback, you have, you know, like, about three to four issues contained mm-hmm. or graphic novels where you have a contained story you yeah. have a beginning and you have an end or sometimes you don't have a beginning you're kind of jumping into the character's career yeah but you have an end the the mystery gets solved unless yeah. there's a volume two yeah i think that's why i love the watchman so much mm-hmm. is that it, it did have uh, a beginning a middle and an end and, and you mentioned earlier that um well i i guess recently they did they did some sort of a prequel type series yeah but otherwise it's sort of before Watchmen. Yeah. it's sort of a, a i think even in the comic book world it's it's got to be rare to have a, a universe say like a Watchmen universe that actually does have a beginning and an end and you yeah. can you can sort of you can read the whole story and sort of that's it you can be caught up i kind of dug that yeah but you know on the other side of that like one of the things i love about comic books is that they can make batman stories forever they can make oh, superman yeah. stories forever I hate when I'm reading a really good book and it gets to the end and it's like, okay, there is no sequel. Right. Or, you know, the the author doesn't want to do a sequel or the author passes away. Like, you know, the uh, the guy that did the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, that story is not going to be finished unless somebody takes it, you know, and it's never going to be the same. It's not going to be the author's original right. vision. But with comic books, the story goes on and on and on and on. I mean, even the mythology of old, like, mm-hmm. kind of had an end. You know, there was the last Hercules story. Right. You know? With Batman, I, I highly doubt there's ever going to be a last Batman story. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's very comforting for me. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. Where, you know, self-contained is good. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you brought so well. Here's the uh, so here's the idea. So you brought me a, a couple of comic books, uh, and so what what uh, Anthony and I what we kind of worked out, um, uh, and I, we were both excited about this idea, is that essentially he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna lead me through my through through the journey of my comic book education. I will be the sure <laughs> up the comic book mountain. That's what I'll be. And uh, and and we're we're basically gonna record my my comic book education so and so it's 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 essentially starting today so with today's episode what i wanted to do was give you guys an idea of of who anthony was and his background and and why he's a why he's a cool guy and why i why i asked him to do this but down the line uh anthony you're going to become a a regular guest on the show and the idea specifically is uh with every episode you show up on you're going to recommend me some uh some comic books to read and in fact you brought me a uh, a bundle of comic books to, today, this afternoon, which I'm very excited to start reading. I did, and yeah. then, um, and then down. The, so then, the next time you're on the show, we'll talk specifically about you know the books you brought me. Uh, I can, I'll give my impressions on these particular books. You can give me your thoughts on why these are the books you wanted me to read, uh, and then from that episode, you'll recommend some more stuff, and it'll just be it'll be an ongoing series. And but, I, I think it would be a good idea to kind of start with themes. Like right now, we're talking primarily about superhero mm-hmm. comic books. But there's tons of other themes. Oh, sure. Know? There's, uh, but you know, there's smaller publishing companies. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, more books kind of like Watchmen, where it's not necessarily about the superhero aspect, but you know, yeah. everything like that. But we'll we'll start with superheroes. Yeah, and uh, the the only thing, and we don't necessarily have to nail this down today. We were we were we basically we, we need to give you a name, and and uh, uh, we need to give you an official. Because you're gonna be you're you're the official comic book guy of the Martin Lestrade Show podcast hour, so you need you need a name that the people can get excited about, something they can they can they can sink their their hooks into. Uh, we can talk about this on the show, we can talk about it off the show, but uh, but we need uh, something. Hey, as long as uh, Chris Gore <laughs> takes no issue with it, I could be uh, you know the comic book expert Anthony Ray Bench. That, I like that. that. Works, yeah. I like that comic book expert. Anthony Ray Bench, I can live with that. Yeah. And then every time, you know, every time you come back uh, uh, on the show, people will see the episode. They can get excited because they know they know what's in store. And Chris, if I'm stepping on your toes, let me know, <laughs> and uh, I'll knock it off. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with a you we'll, know. We'll switch it up. We'll, we'll come sequential up with arts master Anthony Bench. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so, uh, so, so you you were uh, very generous. You brought a couple of books uh, from your own collection for for me to borrow, and you actually brought me some comic books uh brand spanking new for, for my own collection which is uh i'm i'm overwhelmed by your generosity to be quite you're, frank you're very welcome man uh well uh we'll talk a little bit about the books that i i hooked you up with yeah so so uh the first one here and right away i'm excited because i recognize the writer neil gaiman oh yeah it's called marvel 1602 this looks pretty cool but go ahead and tell me about this one it, it's basically if the marvel characters were born in, uh, not born but if they lived in 1602 oh i, it's, I already it's love it amazing you you have um you know characters like magneto like you know <laughs> interacting like it's you know imagine if there were mutants back then imagine if people had powers they would be witches they would be warlocks you know yeah. everything like that you wouldn't call them mutants you know you have a very interesting um a twist at the end i'm not going to give away but you have characters like Spider-Man, you know, Peter oh, Parker cool. making an appearance. It's it's written in, you know, kind of Shakespearean, yeah. uh, you know, vernacular. Um, it's 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 amazing. I recommend it. It's one of those books where, you know, it's it's beneficial to know kind of who the characters are, yeah. but it explains who the characters are. You know, um, like, 
for instance, like I, I brought up Magneto. Mm-hmm. Like in this, I mean, it's obviously different because you don't have Magneto as, you know, a concentration camp survivor. Right. You have Magneto as, you know, I think he's like a, uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but um, I think he's like almost kind of like a uh, an Inquisition type person. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, it, it's it's a great book, and I, I think you're gonna love it. I'm already, I'm already, lo- I love the description. This will, I think this might be the first one I read because I love that idea. And one of the things that really gets me excited is that it sounds really great, and my initial instinct is this might not ever actually become a movie. Unless yeah. Oh, it, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. So this is one of the benefits of having comic books around is that you can have one that's just a really great idea like this. They do have a sequel. Well, not a sequel. It's more of a sister series. It's Fantastic Four 1602, and it oh, focuses cool. on the Fantastic Four. But, I mean, this is a self-contained story. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm you digging. don't have to read anything further if you don't want. I'm digging that. So we'll, we'll go ahead and stick with the, the Marvel Universe because you brought me a little bit of a... Uh, Marvel and DC. Okay. So the uh, the the other Marvel one you brought me is uh the the origin of Wolverine. Is that the, yes. is that the exact title? Wolverine. Yeah. Or, or is it Wolverine, Wolverine Origins? Origins. Okay. That's what it's it's primarily I uh, refer to uh, as. But yeah, it's 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 a fun story. It's and it, really neat. And I and uh, because the the uh, the Wolverine the 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 initial Wolverine movie came out a couple years ago, and I think that was. What was that called? X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going to ask you if that if this book and the movie had anything in common. Um, the the movie glosses over like the first ten minutes of the movie is basically a glossed over version of the book. Okay. Um, but the book is done so much better. It's you know set pr- like I think pre Civil War. Okay. Um, but it's Wolverine, you know, as a kid, you find out his real name isn't Logan. That Logan was a moniker he took on later on. Okay. But, um, you know, you have this fantastic story about, you know, who he is, what he's done, and kind of it leads into the Wolverine that we know now. Mm-hmm. And it's just the, the way the story is told, is it's a personal story. It's not like... You know, Wolverine's fighting a big bad guy, or the X Men step in to help out. is It's a very personal story, and I highly recommend it. Awesome. Well, uh, I've, Wolverine's one of those characters who I've always liked him, but I but but I realize anytime I spend any amount of time thinking about him, that I realize I don't know really much about him. Like I, I know he, I know that he's. Uh, he doesn't know much about himself, <laughs> which is actually that's, yeah. that's actually helpful to know. Like I know the claws. I know that he heals. Uh, I know he's part of the X Men, but then I realize I, I, you know, I don't really know much about him. So I, I'm, I, I'm digging the idea of this book. Now this is the, the first like probably like thirty years of his life. Oh, cool. So it, it's nothing, you know, like he isn't, you know, fight, fighting for JFK or anything like that. Right. It's, it's very, you know, eighteen hundreds. Okay. So very cool book. That's cool. All right, so then I've got, uh, let's see, uh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern Secret Origin. Oh, yes. that's okay. Now this, one thing that you don't actually know this about me, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to mention this, uh, origin stories, that's probably my favorite part of, about comic books. Okay. And so, so right away, uh, there's there's these two origin books. Like, if you couldn't have picked these better if, if, if you'd already known. Like, when I was a kid, there was, um, let me think. I don't know if it was a series, but... But I remember I don't know if it was DC or Marvel either, but I remember it was like uh like it was like you know like the origin of dot 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 whoever yeah and uh, and and the, like 
In fact, that was the first time I saw the word origin. I didn't even know how to say it. I think I was calling it Oregon for <laughs> years. <laughs> but, but like those were my favorite because I think I think before I read those books, it didn't even occur to me that there was a beginning. Because I, I think as a kid, I was way more comfortable jumping in and just reading a comic book. And then uh, once I realized that, you know, I guess it would have to start somewhere. Just that idea has always been exciting to me. And in, in, in terms of movies, too, um, lately I've heard some complaints in podcasts and uh, forums or whatever where some people are, I don't know if they're complaining so much, but they're kind of saying, you know, we don't need the Batman origin anymore. I think at this point we all get it. We don't yeah. need the Superman origin. Uh, but for me, like you can't do those enough. Like really? I, I, I really do love you. Even if it's, even if, even if I know what's happening, I'm excited to see somebody else's take on it, even though I kind of know what's going to happen. Okay. But I think it's my, I, I love origin story. So this Green Lantern, Secret, Secret Origin. Right away, I love the title, but go ahead and tell me about it, this It's one. written by Jeff Johns, and Jeff Johns is he's a powerhouse in yeah. the DC Universe. Um, he's a fantastic writer, in my opinion. Yeah. He's had some missteps, but you know, his he did uh, Superman Origin. Okay. And now he's doing you know Green Lantern, Secret Origin. Great books. Fantastic books. If you like origin stories, pick up anything... Jeff Johns has done with the word origins in it. Um, I, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I think the one origin story that needs to stop is Batman, just because it's the same thing. That it's happens. fair. That's a fair. It's point. the same thing that happens. Like I'd be happy to see it, but it's fair. There's yeah. really like not a lot you can change and not a lot you can do with it. Yeah. Um, but you know, with Green Lantern, Green Lantern is one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's Green Lantern, Superman, uh, Venom and Gambit for me. Like, those are my characters. Uh, Green Lantern is just... It's incredible, but not a lot of people know the, the origin story of Green Lantern. The movie came out, and it kind of glossed over it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot more to it than Secret Origins. Um, there's a lot more explaining what the Green Lantern core is, okay. who the characters are, why Hal Jordan was picked mm -hmm. to bear the ring. It's a great story. Um, anybody who's interested in, in learning more about Green Lantern, which is to me like one of the most yeah. intricate characters, and you know, just very special to me yeah. in, in terms of you know, the the whole thing behind Green Lantern is willpower, and yeah. you know, being a writer, being you know somebody in the entertainment industry, you have to have the willpower. You have to create things that don't exist in your mind and bring them into physical manifestation. That's Green Lantern's power. Oh yeah. So that's what's special to me, and uh, Green Lantern Secret Origins is amazing. That's awesome, and Green he he is one of those characters who again like growing up, pretty pretty much any any superhero that was in like the the Super Friends or Superpowers or yeah. anything like that. I love all these heroes, but you know as I got older, or even now, even now as I get older, and I and I and I still have fond memories and thoughts of these characters. And I really like the Green Lantern. I really don't know anything about him. Like, I know his costume, and I know mm -hmm. he's got the ring, and I know he does cool stuff. But I really don't know much about him, so I, I love I love the idea of this book, so I'm very much looking forward to this one. And then uh, the the fourth and final book, which uh, which I'll read, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about sometime down uh, in, in the very near future, is uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. And this one I've actually heard of. I haven't read it, but I've actually heard of this one. But go ahead and tell me about it. Yeah, Arkham Asylum is just, it's a very trippy book. And it's very <laughs> dark. Um, Grant Morrison wrote it, and Grant Morrison's fantastic. The artwork, uh, who, who did the artwork? Dave uh, McKean? Dave McKean. Yeah, Dave McKean's fantastic. Um, it, it's just a really fun book that kind of just analyzes Batman's place 
with his rogues gallery. You have people that are, you know, mentally, criminally insane, and it kind of flips that on Batman. Like, you know, he should be locked in Arkham with them. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, this is a guy that dresses up in his pajamas and fights right. crime. And, you know, going back to what we said about Man of Steel and, you know, how, you know, um, everything wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for superman yeah a lot of people think that about batman if there was no batman there would be no joker because right. batman was essential in creating the joker right batman's wrapped in pretty much every single origin of all the bad guys in the batman universe yeah he's created them i mean you know he you know he's an outlaw he's a vigilante he does things for his own cause. Mm -hmm. He's not fighting crime because it's the good thing to do. He's fighting crime because it's how he copes with his parents' death. Right. That's a very selfish thing. Now, for him to turn around and tell everybody else that their interests are selfish, that's a little bit, you know, it, it's, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that, that book definitely kind of pokes into, you know, who, you know, batman is and who his rogues gallery are and how there aren't a lot of differences between them and i know you said that's the last book but i want to go over one more from the other oh, pile sure, that's yeah. uh all-star bat or all-star superman yeah all-star superman also by grant morrison right yes yes is the quiz essential superman story anybody who says i don't get superman you know anybody who's like well superman you know can't really be beaten and you know anybody who has any negative criticisms about superman need to read that book because that book sums up who superman is superman is a symbol of hope superman is somebody that the human race needs to aspire to be mm -hmm. which you know a lot of people like batman because he's cool and he has that iconic symbol but yeah. to me i don't want to be like batman i don't think people should be like batman <laughs> i mean yeah take a tragedy and turn it into something positive for the greater good yeah totally down with that but Superman is just, you know, a lot of people think he's hokey. A lot of people think he's a Boy Scout. This book analyzes exactly who Superman is and why he has lasted so long as the, you know, the superhero. Yeah. And, you know, I I cannot recommend that book enough. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. Yeah. So just a, a quick uh, recap. So I've got... Uh... I don't want to lose track. Got Marvel 1602, Wolverine Origin, Green Lantern Secret Origin, and Batman Arkham Asylum. Yep. So I've got this is like the best homework I've ever gotten. And just as kind of like a uh, a teaser for an upcoming episode uh, somewhere down the line, I have recommendations. I'm not going to go through the synopsis. I'm just going to put them out there for readers <laughs> because if they want to read along with you yeah oh good good and, i hope know, they do um we have daredevil born again by frank miller oh it's good. the best daredevil story in my opinion i've heard about frank miller's daredevil stories yeah. yeah um batman the long halloween and batman the dark victory they're uh two books that are kind of um connected to each other like the oh, dark victory is a sequel to the long halloween okay cool um my favorite batman books hands down there are no better batman books in my opinion uh, Tim Sale did the art. Jeff Loeb did the uh, the writing. It's brilliant. Another Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb book is uh, Spider-Man Blue. Okay. A beautiful story. It's basically Peter Parker writing a love letter to Gwen Stacy after she's passed. Oh, wow. And it goes through, you know, their, how they met and everything like that. Really powerful stuff. That sounds good. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth. Um, this one 
requires a little bit of setup. Um, it's a Jeff Johns book as well. Okay. Uh, Hal Jordan had been out of the, the DC universe for quite some time. Um, he went bad and basically <laughs> killed the entire Green Lantern Corps and um, became a bad guy called Parallax. Uh-huh. This is him being reintroduced to the universe. Like, for, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but he comes back. Cool. And it goes into more of an explanation of what happened, what was going on. Awesome. Uh, Jeff Johns knows how to write Green Lantern better than anybody has in the last probably 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, the that's... Ultimate Universe, uh, that's a great starting off point because they're recent. Um, I think they started in 2002 or so. Okay. So, um, you know, like I, I told you before the podcast, um, I grew up with Ultimate Spider-Man. He yeah. was around the same age I was when I started reading the books. Um, so I definitely recommend the Ultimate Spider-Man books. I recommend the Ultimates 1 and 2, not 3. Three's shit. <laughs> but it's by Mark Miller and with art by Brian Hitch. Brilliant. Great books. If you want another good Wolverine book, uh, look into Old Logan. It's okay. a fun book. It's post-apocalyptic. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. But, um, yeah, that's all I have for you for right now. That's awesome. Well, that's probably that's probably a good place to wrap up. We didn't even talk about we'll, – we'll spend some time uh, down the line talking more about uh, Panda Fuzz, Inc. and talking about some of the comic books uh, you guys are putting out. Uh, I, I, we can mention, you know, we have a few minutes We can before you wrap up. Um, you are the uh, are you are you sort of the the primary writer? Do you guys have other writers? I'm the primary writer. Um, I started Panda Fuzz Inc. Uh, after um, my internship with IDW ended. I basically asked Chris Ryle, the editor in chief at IDW, uh, you know, now that I did your internship program, how do I become a professional comic book writer? <laughs> and he looked at me. It's just like write a comic book. It's like, ah, oh, your, your, your brilliance is just, yeah. Um, but he told, um, he told me basically the a really good secret to getting your comic book looked at is to write something called Nash can, which is essentially a teaser uh-huh. for a comic book. It's about four to six pages. It shows who the characters are, shows the art style, shows the story. Yeah. And, you know, editors would rather read that than read 22 pages. Right. So me and Scott, um, my longtime friend, I met him when I was 16, um, we, he's an artist, we decided that we were going to do ash cans, we were going to try to sell books that we didn't even create yet, <laughs> um, just try to see get some feedback, yeah. and we got great feedback, we went to San Diego Comic Con last year with th- uh, an ash can, one ash can, we went to Kamikaze with three ash cans, we've gone to WonderCon with our ash cans, cool. Um, that's what we do, but um, we just put out our first issue of a book called Patch Hawkins, which Scott wrote in a sense that he came up with the story, he came up with the characters, he yeah. needed me to punch up the dialogue. Okay. So um, now that we're kind of thinking about issue number two, Scott came to me and he's just like, I need your help. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be writing issue number two, and awesome. Scott's going to get a co-written uh, credit. Um, and the next book we're working on is Stronger. It's um, basically how does one break up with Superman? <laughs> um, it, it's a story that's very personal to me. I dated a girl who was uh, mentally abused oh, by the, uh, the wow. guy she was with before we okay. dated. And after we broke up, she got right back together with him. She actually dumped me to get back together with oh, him. Oh, wow. So I you know, reached out to some girls who I know had similar experiences and I looked up you know stuff online and I, I want to actually interview more women with similar experiences 
and just you know to me like as a guy i can't really understand the fact that like you know women would stay with somebody who treated them so poorly right i that's just my experience right like i i can't understand it but i want to tell a story where you know people get that side people yeah. you know get that fear and get that struggle of like i need to leave him to me it made sense to make this guy that the women the woman needs to leave an all-powerful being yeah because i can understand you know why you wouldn't <laughs> want to tell superman to fuck off yeah um if he's being a douche um i can't for a normal person but that's uh the next book we're going to be working on and right. i'm writing it scott's doing the art and I'm really excited about that. That's awesome, and it's it sounds good. I, I'm I'm digging that. I'll actually let you read the uh, ash can after we're done. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'd be happy to read the the ash can. I'm I'm glad I'm getting the, the lingo that I can start throwing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, so when you take, I, I was curious when you take a, an ash can to uh, any of the the comic cons, um, is there do you do you sort of like network and hope to meet somebody, or is there is yeah. there like a oh, is that what? Yeah, I, I mean, um, usually the editors and. Uh, you know, sometimes the writers and everything like that are kind of hanging out around the booth. Okay. Um, you know, there's uh, IDW. You, you can always see Chris Ryle or, you know, Tim Mowry, like, kind of slumming around yeah. the booth. Um, you know, at Dark Horse, you see editors and writers working the convention floor. You run into people that are signing... We gave our, our ash can to, like, Dean Kane, like, 90s <laughs> Superman. Uh, gave it to Edward James Olmos, not because we thought that they would get us a deal or anything like that. It's yeah. just we appreciate their art so yeah. much that we want to, you know. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just hand it to everybody who's interested. It's awesome. All right, brother. Well, I'll tell you what this is. I, th- I think uh, I think we've got some good stuff here. This is a good place to wrap up. You've left me with uh, my homework, which, again, like, the, the best homework assignment I've ever gotten. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we will be uh, we'll we'll be in touch soon. We'll we'll have you back on the show uh, very soon. This, again, this is going to become a so so. What's what's the title we came up with? As a comic book ex- expert, Anthony yeah, Ray yeah, Bench. Yeah, unless Chris Gore gets mad. And in which case, we'll come up with uh, something. <laughs> That's a funny title too. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be the entire title. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, comic book expert Anthony Ray Bench. Unless Chris Gore gets mad. <laughs> I could like, I could see that. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna come up with the Twitter name. Uh, speaking of Twitter, follow us on Twitter at pandafuzzinc. Uh, at pandafuzzinc. That's I N K. Uh, check out our website. We have synopsis. We have uh, all the ash cans for our book. We're doing a new book called uh, Abaddon, which I'm not writing, but I'm editing. Scott's okay. doing the art. Cool. Uh, the writer is a guy named Jason Breedlove. And, um, yeah, it's going to be really, really good. Awesome, brother. Well, uh, looking forward to, to, to more of that stuff. Good, Really great stuff coming out of Panda Fuzz, Inc. Thank you so much for being on the show, Anthony. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'm very excited to have you back to, to talk about my homework. All right. So there you have it. That was comic book expert Anthony Ray Bench. And from this point forward... Anthony will be the official comic book expert of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. So congratulations to you, Anthony. We're, we're all very proud of you and this huge accomplishment in your life. And by the way, Anthony, because I know you're listening, if I don't see this new title on your LinkedIn profile in the next 48 hours, you will be hearing from the Human Resources Department of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. And you don't want to know what happens if it gets to that point. So be a good soldier do the right thing. So anyway, as uh, as we mentioned during our conversation, Anthony and I are going to do an ongoing series of conversations where 
he'll recommend comic books for me to read. I'll read them. Then Anthony will come back on the show and we'll talk about those particular books. As a review, for anybody keeping score, the four comic books I'll be reading in anticipation of Anthony's next visit to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour uh, are Marvel 1602, written by Neil Gaiman and illustrated by Andy Kubert. The second book is Wolverine Origin, written by Paul Jenkins, Joe Quesada, and Bill Jemis. And that one is also illustrated by Andy Kubert. So apparently Andy Kubert is keeping quite busy. The third comic book is Green Lantern, Secret Origin, written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Ivan Rice. And the fourth and final comic book that Anthony has assigned me to read, Batman Arkham Asylum, written by Grant Morrison and illustrated by Dave McKean. Now, if you want to follow along with me on this comic book education of mine, then remember you can buy all of the aforementioned comic books on Amazon.com. Obviously, you can go to your local comic book shops, and uh, I, I would not begrudge any of you if you decided to, to, to buy any of these comics at your local comic book shop. In fact, it would be quite good of you if you supported uh, a, a comic book shop, which in all likelihood is one of your local small businesses. There's nothing wrong with that at all. However, if you decide that, uh, that you just can't bring yourself to leave the house and you don't want to visit one of your local comic book shops, don't forget that you can buy these and more comic book titles on Amazon.com. Amazon.com has everything you need, including comic books. So, so get, get your comics on Amazon.com. And if you do decide to get your comic books on Amazon.com, please go through the official website of the podcast, which you can find at martinlestrapsshow.com. Go to the shop page, click on the Amazon banner. It's going to take you straight to Amazon. Any shopping you do, Amazon's going to kick a few pennies back our way. And then we here at the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, we get to take that money and reinvest it into the show so we can make it as good as we can possibly make it for you. Because that's exactly what we want to do. Incidentally, during the intro of this particular episode, I was telling you about Comics on Comics, which, again, is a, is a wonderful podcast that you should be listening to. Uh, I'm going to be a guest on Comics on Comics on July 2nd, which uh, is next week. Even though I'll be a guest on July 2nd, if I'm not mistaken, the episode that I'm a guest on will be available for download on July 4th. So, uh, so you can look for, uh, for my, my particular episode on Comics on Comics on July 4th, so I'm very excited about that. And I look forward to telling you all about my experience on Comics on Comics on a future episode of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. I'll tell you more about my visit on uh, Comics on Comics, but, well, to be honest with you, I'm having time travel issues. Now, I, I don't want to bore you with the details, but basically, I'm having trouble with my flux capacitor. Basically, my flux capacitor, it's only operating at 1.19 gigawatts. <laughs> and, uh, and as you well know, it requires 1.21 gigawatts of electrical power to operate. So, you know, kind of fucked there. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode. I, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, I'll see you on the other side.